Does this sound familiar? My kid is so smart, but her grades don't reflect that. My kid is lazy. If only they would try, they would do so well. In this episode, we're going to dig into why it's a trigger for us to hear that word lazy and how to frame it differently. We're going to talk about the different kinds of motivation. Also, we're going to chat about why motivation is an essential piece of the executive functioning puzzle. We're also going to explore what we have noticed anecdotally about how motivation works, how puberty can affect motivation, and why it's so important. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 28 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Rachel Cap, And I'm Stephanie Pitts. Today, we're going to complete the deep dive that we've been doing on the various aspects of executive functioning and how we, as educational therapists, view it. To recap, in episode 20, we talked about how the intersection of writing and executive functioning is the perfect storm for students and how executive functioning weaknesses are really magnified in the writing process. In episodes 21 and 22, we review our favorite strategies for writing. It's a two-parter, and there's a lot of bang for your buck in those two episodes, so definitely go back and listen. In episode 24, we talk about respecting the pup, which is prioritizing, organizing, and planning. In episode 25, we do a deep dive on time management. And in episode 27, we talk about memory and its relationship to executive functioning and how to make memory work for your students. We will link to all these episodes in the show notes, but we know that we sometimes listen to podcasts out of order. So we just wanted to make sure that you guys got all the gold that's in this like chunk of episodes. Today, we're going to wrap up this deep dive of executive functioning to focus on motivation. So Steph, why are we talking about motivation today? Motivation is so important. And we get a lot of parents that say, my kid used to be able to do all these things. And now my kid is just lazy. They don't care anymore. They just want to play video games. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah. All they want to do is hang out with their friends or be on their phone or not do what they're supposed to do. Mm Mm-hmm. And this really centers around motivation. And if you think about how important it is for you in your life to be motivated to do something, you're motivated to go to your job because you need to earn money to pay your bills. You're motivated to go have fun because you get something out of it. You want to create memories. Yeah, there's a lot of different reasons for motivation. And in school, when something is hard... Motivation is the first thing to go out the window. Totally. And if you're thinking about all the things that we've highlighted in this executive functioning series, we talk about task initiation and we're talking about prioritizing and we're talking about planning. None of these things are particularly fun. It just so happens that Steph and I enjoy it and enjoy this aspect of our job, but it's not a particularly fun, stimulating, engaging exercise, right? And so We have to either have kids who are totally down for it or totally rejecting of it. It seems very polarized. One of the questions that I ask parents when they call, I ask them a couple questions. The first is, does your child know that we're speaking today? Because I think it's critical that students are a part of the making of the plan, particularly middle school and high school students. I do not like it when a client walks into session for the first time and they were just told five minutes outside 
like as they were walking up the stairs to my office, why they're coming because they're going to be shut down immediately and not motivated to partner with me. The other thing that I asked is, will your child be willing to do this? Mm -hmm. Because it makes our job so much easier when the parents let us know up front, yes, they're going to be so down. They're the ones asking for help. And it took me some time to find you. I get that a lot. Or on the flip side, I'd like to know in advance, no, they're going to be really, really upset that I'm making them do this, but we're going to do it anyway because I'm the adult in charge. And it allows me to immediately get on that level and partner with that child so that they can have some of their own needs met. It's helpful to know if they're still motivated or if they're not motivated. Yeah, I phrase it as open. Is your child open to working with me? Yes, I think I say the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So... Just to be clear, motivation is often mistaken for laziness. The lack of motivation is often mistaken for laziness. Yes. And motivation is the ability to start a task. And like we've said before, we like to call it task initiation. So let's replace the word lazy, and I want to call it unmotivated. We'd much prefer to call it unmotivated because when students hear lazy, the connotation of lazy is so aggressively negative. Nobody wants to be called lazy. And we also understand some of the hidden truths, as we've talked about on this podcast before, of why students transition out of being motivated to being unmotivated where it appears as lazy. And what it really comes down to is children disconnect when the going gets tough. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that children, we believe fundamentally, children want to please, and they're inherently motivated to please. People like to do well. Kids love praise, and they want to be praised by their teachers. And we all know how powerful, especially elementary school teachers, but truly teachers all along the way are some of the most powerful figures in our children's lives. And they want to please those teachers. They disconnect emotionally from trying to please their teachers when they have tried and tried and tried, and they get the message that it's not enough. Yeah. And let's keep in mind when we're talking about students that have a learning disability or ADHD, they're trying so much harder than the kid next to them. Yes. And getting half as much out of it, right? Half the results. Yes. So let's remember that really deep down they are motivated, but it looks like unmotivated because they have to put in more. Yes. We always say our kids who we see work twice as hard and yield half as much results. And it's important that we remember this when Steph and I hear that word lazy. And this will come up very, very frequently. And it's probably one of the first coachable moments that we have as educational therapists with the parents calling our practice, right, is to have this conversation. For sure. For sure. We just want to remind everybody to assume the best intentions with your child. Most children inherently want to please and be successful. They're like us. This is how we all derive self-esteem and pleasure by doing well. When motivation is lacking, there is something standing in the way of progress. It's really, really important to understand the distinction between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation in the context of this conversation. So Mm -hmm. Steph, what would you say about intrinsic and extrinsic motivation? So intrinsic motivation is something you do for yourself for your own personal reward. 
versus extrinsic is mm -hmm. motivation you do something for an external reward or to avoid punishment. So intrinsic motivation is I want to be able to throw or throw or shoot a three-pointer in basketball because it's yep. going to bring me joy and it's going to make me feel good. Extrinsic is I'm going to show up to work because I need that paycheck at the end of mm -hmm. every two weeks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was going to say it's important to note that there is usually some intrinsic motivation in students, mm -hmm. but it wanes when things get hard and things then shift to external. Absolutely. And I don't know when we were scheduled to talk about this, but I do want to make sure that we have the conversation about what happens to children who have struggled in school, particularly once they go through puberty. Mm. And what we have noticed anecdotally is once a child goes through puberty it is much, much, much more likely that they are no longer intrinsically motivated if they have struggled in school. So let's assume that a child goes through puberty in seventh grade, for mm -hmm. example's sake. You guys, if you've been a listener of this podcast, you know that that transition into middle school is wacky anyway. Mm -hmm. But then you throw in the puberty and you throw in the fact that they have tried for now seven years to be successful in an academic setting and they haven't been. The combination of the transition, puberty, and the lack of success directly, in our opinion, leads to students who are no longer intrinsically motivated. Mm -hmm. They are going to figure out other ways to build and create their own self-esteem that is not connected to their grades because it hasn't worked. Yeah. So this brings us to the growth mindset, and we're both really big fans in our practices of the growth mindset. We teach it a lot. <laughs> if you aren't aware of what it is, we're going to give you some tips and things to help you. But basically... In general, a growth mindset is the power of saying yet. Yes. That you aren't there in the moment, but you will get there. Versus a fixed mindset, which is I can't do this. Everybody's better than me. I hate this. I'm bad. I'm stupid. Those exactly. are all fixed mindset statements. When Steph is talking about the power of yet, it's yet is that powerful word that will turn almost any statement from a fixed mindset statement to a growth mindset statement. So I can't do this yet adds hopefulness and adds the opportunity for growth. Hence, it turns into a growth mindset statement. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a few books that I either talk about with the kids themselves or give to you parents and yes. we'll link those in the show notes. But one of them is a book called I Can't Do It Yet. And I actually read it with a third grader yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I could see a little bit of change immediately after reading it. Another is a mindset for parents book. And I often have clients buy this book for themselves to keep as a Bible of sorts at home. It just gives a lot of tips on how to change your home life to be more of a growth mindset environment. And another little quick reference is called Phrases for Growth Mindset. We'll link it so that you can see. But this is an example if you can't figure out if yet doesn't add onto the statement easily, some phrases that you can exchange that will explain all of that. 
as you're talking, I'm making sure that we're putting all of this in the show notes because I myself will be going to our show notes and linking to purchase <laughs> these books because I don't think I have some of these books. And sometimes, Steph, you buy things without telling me. And then I find out when we're recording and I'm like, yes. how come I didn't know about this? Fair enough. But also sometimes I tell you to buy something and you don't. Okay. Can we not have this argument on air? <laughs> I told you specifically that I'm not sure clients in my practice would appreciate this one game, but you're supposed to bring it to lunch to show me. So yeah, but I'm just saying I'm going to be right on this one, guys. Okay. If I end up buying the book or buying whatever item Steph has been talking to me about for four days straight, <laughs> I will post an Instagram story about it. And I'll and say, tell the people. I will tell the people, once again, you are right. Let's be honest. I'm probably going to purchase it. This was on the more expensive end too. That's why you haven't done it yet. It is why I haven't done it yet. I know. I know. I'm trying to watch that credit card bill, yo. It's been very expensive lately. It could lately. be next month. It could be next month. It's, you it's you made it sound like they weren't making this They toy. aren't making any more. There's only five more on Amazon, guys. Well, it seems like you should buy two and just give me one then, and then I'll Venmo you. Unbelievable. Okay. Steph's sitting there rolling her eyes. Don't buy me one, <laughs> Steph, because I need it to be a business expense anyway. It's the end of the year, so we're talking about taxes already. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so one more growth mindset thing that I have that I actually don't know that you and I have talked about, mm-hmm. and I haven't used it enough yet, but I really want to. Ah. There are these mathematical mindset books that are, I think they have a fourth grade one and a fifth grade one, mm-hmm. and there is a mindset mathematics book that someone wrote and i can't remember the author off the top of my head but we'll link it in the show notes we'll link it but it's also something that i i have a goal to use more since i've gotten them and it talks about having a growth mindset about math because as we know math is often a turnoff for a lot of students yeah, they should come see me. Contact me at www.capattherapy.com. But Steph, when you're talking about these books, are they like exercises for kids? Or is it a book for adults to read to help support students who have fixed mindset about math? The mindset mathematics, I definitely think for teachers out there and the grade specific books, Mm -hmm. I think it explains things in a different way. I haven't looked at it and used it enough yet to tell you that specifically. I'm so glad we're talking about it on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, but just by looking at it, it looks really, really good. So I'm excited about it. Okay, bring those to lunch also so I can take a look at it. The other thing that I want to make sure we're being really explicit about is why we're having this conversation about mindset when we're talking about motivation. We have noticed anecdotally that students who have a growth mindset tend to still be intrinsically motivated. Students who have transitioned into a fixed mindset tend to be extrinsically motivated. We have noticed that link. It's not always 100% true, but it's enough true that it's worth mentioning mindset in this episode. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk strategies. Let's do it. When we're talking about strategies, the first thing that we want to be really clear about is whether or not your child is still intrinsically motivated. Mm -hmm. Remember, we believe all students start out there 
or if they are now extrinsically motivated. We want you to pick your approach based off that. And remember, if this is the thing that you're targeting out of everything that we're talking about in executive functioning, great. We want to remind you, don't target every area of executive functioning simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And don't do every strategy that we offer up to you at the same time. You will not have success. So do one thing at a time. Exactly. So for the intrinsically motivated kids, remember, they still need rewards. They still need validations and celebrations, just like everyone else. So remember, it's giving that high five. I'm really proud of how hard you worked. Remember, reward the process, not the product. Say that again, Steph. (laughs) Reward the process, not the product. It's really hard to remember that in the moment sometimes, but it's important. Exactly. I have a student who was not doing well at all on math tests, and she came in with a grade the other day that she still only got about 50%, but she got 50% right. And Mm -hmm. her parents stood there and was like, I am so proud of her. Look how much she did well on. And Mm -hmm. so we were definitely focusing on glass half full. They've been really, really great partners in helping her to establish a growth mindset, which she has again. She did not have it when she first started off in the practice with me. And so we've seen this growth and development. Grades are the last thing that are going to improve. And Mm -hmm. so it's usually the first thing we look at as a sign of Oops, there's trouble. Mm-hmm. But it's the last thing to improve usually in our process as educational therapists. But we want to reward the process, not the product. The other thing to think about is to preserve this intrinsic motivation for as long as possible through mm-hmm. the stuff that Steph was talking about, through rewards, through validation, through celebrations. Does not have to be a tangible item. Correct. The longer we can preserve this motivation, the better off we're all going to be. Sometimes it's impossible and we kind of don't realize what has happened until it's already happened. Yeah. But if your child is still in that stage of being intrinsically motivated and they are struggling in school, reward the effort as often as possible. Steph, what would you add? Yeah, I was just going to say that it's really, really, really important for you guys to remember about what Rachel was talking about, about the grades, and let's Mm. preserve it as long as possible. I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but I think it's really, really important because at some point it's going to transition to extrinsically and it's not your fault as a parent. No. And remember that, that there are things going on that you can't anticipate. So the more that you set up a structure in what is important to you that your child can accomplish, it's important to you that they get all of their homework in and that's a win. Things like that, like we talk about doing one thing at a time, Yeah. stay with that and stick with it. Just because it might not work for a week, give it a little bit longer. Our kids will really rise to the occasion. They really, really will. And so sometimes working with a certified ed therapist like Steph or myself can be really, really powerful because we're not mom and we're not dad, Mm -hmm. and yet we believe in them. Yeah, We're not family. And so it really, really has a tremendous impact, especially if the rapport between the ed therapist and the child is there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. These extrinsically motivated kids are so hard, you guys. Yes. Yes. So here we go. The extrinsically motivated kids, 
or the kids that are older yeah and need the motivation to be outside of what it used to be when they were little and we understand it's also you know mourning the loss of an intrinsically motivated child can be hard can we just talk about that for a second that is so true yeah. And I don't think we spend a, a lot of, I don't think you and I have ever spent a lot of time kind of honoring that. But yeah. when we get these kids who have transitioned into kind of like the extrinsic motivation, it's kind of like a loss of innocence in a mm-hmm. way, right? Mm-hmm. And so I love that you just said that. That was really enlightening to me. Thank you. You're Thanks welcome. For that. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to say we love to talk about this, but what is your child's currency? We're not talking about money. It is. It's not necessarily money. So what is a child's currency, Rach? So currency is what are they willing to work for? And so one example of this is I have a child who has been, I would say, on the borderline of intrinsic and extrinsic motivation for a very long time. And it, we were monitoring it. And we weren't sure, me as the therapist in partnership with the parents and partnership with the school, which direction she was going to go. Ultimately, it's both. She's rewarded by the intrinsic pleasure, especially now that she's having some success, but she's also really motivated by the extrinsic. So I'll just give a little bit of the story of what happened because Steph, I know you know which client I'm talking about, but I'm not Uh going to reveal it on this. But she had some missing assignments, Uh which was actually a huge emotional trigger for me because we had spent all of last year dealing with missing assignments and we're in... (laughs) I know exactly who you're talking about already. (laughs) Yeah. And we're in November and there hadn't been any, but of course there's going to be some downsides. We always talk about how it's five steps forward, sometimes two steps back, but I am so linked up with her emotionally that I was really bumming about Mm -hmm. these missing assignments. And she came into session and she was like, Rachel, I've already turned them all in. I've already taken a picture of them and emailed them as a supplemental backup to my teacher. Amazing. I was sitting there like gobsmacked that she had done that. That's a next level right there. I mean, that's what I've been teaching her for Mm -hmm. getting your stuff done, but also that supplemental backup of taking a picture and sending it to the teacher so that there's no opportunity for the teacher to say, I didn't get it. And it's also when an assignment is late, the burden of telling the teacher is on the student, not on the teacher to realize. Mm -hmm. And what became clear was she wanted to go out this weekend. Uh, She's in high school. She wanted to be social. She said to me, which I totally respect, I don't like it when people don't follow through. And if I'm not able to follow through, I'm going to feel really bad about it. And I said, oh my gosh, I don't like it when people don't follow through either. I really struggle when I fail to follow through but you were also late on these assignments and that was the deal you had struck with your parents. So we'll see what happens kind of thing. Right, exactly. But the truth was, was that the boundary that our parents had set in terms of these late assignments was so reasonable. And the action steps that she took, she knew what to take. It was a pretty, it was a pretty remarkable moment. And I did get a panicked email from mom about like three assignments, which Mm -hmm. believe me, hasn't happened all year and it happened a lot last year. And I just emailed her back. I'm like, hey, we've made it to November and we only have three assignments that are missing. This is awesome. And she's already handled it. So was able to reframe it. But anyway, the reward is reasonable for her to be able to go out and have social time Mm -hmm. with her friends. Steph, what would you add? Yeah, that's her currency, guys. Her currency is is being social. So some of you out there, you're going to say that 
the currency is going to be video games or it's going to be time on electronics of some sort which or it, parents don't like but if that's right. the if that's the reward that's the reward for them right. right and and also keep in mind the currency could change it will change i have a kid that last year was motivated by ipad and now she's not motivated by it anymore she wants to have social time so you know i'm working with mom to try to reframe what we actually sat down and I said to her, what would be some things that you feel like you would like to feel good about doing these things that are hard for you? Yeah. And we actually wrote it out. She's in fourth grade and she felt really excited and couldn't wait to share with her mother what she had come up with. And they were totally reasonable things like one night a week she gets to choose what mom makes for dinner. <laughs> and she was super excited about it. That's so sweet. Steph. Isn't it though? But That's... like exactly to the point that it doesn't have to be monetary. No. I want to dive quickly into this topic of bribery, which Steph and I both enjoy bribery. So yes. <laughs> Did you get, wait, did you get gelato yet? You know what? Here's the funny. So I was supposed to go with a client. If you haven't listened to that episode, he had transitioned his binder system into what I wanted. And I was supposed to go with him two weeks to go to get gelato. But his nanny brought him like the biggest Starbucks Frappuccino I've ever seen. And I was like, dude, we're not going for gelato. We're not wasting (laughs) that. On top of a frappuccino, yeah. It was not going to happen. And then the next time I was supposed to see him was Halloween. And so, you know, I'm really glad you reminded me about that. I need to take him for gelato on Wednesday after our conference. He will remember, though. (laughs) I will be reminded. So that's an example of a little bribery and a little external motivation there that gelato downstairs is totally worth it. It's totally worth it. And I enjoy hanging out with my clients. So (laughs) going and doing something special like that is going to be really cool. And I'm excited that that was what it took to encourage him to transition into a more mature binder system. I love it. That's so fantastic. Thanks for reminding me. If I could walk to Gelato, I would go. I know. You don't have a lot of walking options really by you, do you? But No, I don't. I mean, you could take him for a milkshake. Uh, Jack in the Box. This is an interesting idea. I didn't really think about it. Guys, I have a Jack in the Box across the street. Or an ice cream cone. Why not? I never, literally, I never go there. But interesting. I never really think about it. Okay. Well, okay. I've always got fast food on the brain. So Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This could be a thing. All yeah. right. All right. I'm into it. All right. So the point is, is that we absolutely believe in bribing our kids because ultimately it's a really successful tool and we don't work for free either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And look, like he won't forget, but it's probably not really a reward of him doing it. It's more about the excitement that he has earned it. He's totally earned it. It's totally out of our rhythm to be able to go do something like that. It's really a special thing. Exactly. And so it's probably even though he gets something for it, it's probably really more about the experience than actually the gelato. So while it's bribery and while it's a little extrinsic, it's got some intrinsic in there. So just remember that. It does. I can't tell you. I've taken – before this gelato place opened up, I've taken kids to Starbucks. Yes. they will try to negotiate Starbucks in for ridiculous things. So one child, for example, I've taken a couple of kids there after they've learned their math facts through skip counting. And they're able to do like one through 11. And 
several of those are wildly easy and not yeah. challenging to learn. Like, right. for example, 10. They yeah. all know 10, 20, 30 or whatever. Yeah. And she was trying to negotiate it. Like, if I finish these three problems, can we go? I was like, <laughs> no, that's not how this is going to work. That's what I'm going to say, Rach. Can we record three podcasts and then we can, Oh, so know. in terms of our extrinsic rewards, Steph and I went and did a spa day a couple weeks ago celebrating the fact that we had recorded 25 episodes. Uh-huh. And I said, Steph, you know, we should go every 25 episodes. And she looked at me. She's like, we should go every 10. <laughs> 25 is too long, you guys. It that feels too long. really far away. <laughs> it's half a year. It's half a year of episodes because we record one a week. Yeah, I don't want to do it twice a year. <laughs> I, I, I'm, you can twist my arm to go get a massage. Okay, so. okay, okay, okay. So anyway, if you guys have any questions about motivation, you can always reach out to us on our website, www.learnsmarterpodcast.com. We're having so much fun connecting with you guys in our email list, and it's really fun when you guys respond to us. We'll probably be doing some more Facebook Lives coming up, and we'll keep you guys posted about that. The first people to know will be those who are on our email list. So definitely go join at www.learnsmurderpodcast.com. Have a great week, everybody. Have a great week, guys.